Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Android Central Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to us. As always, my name is Shruti Shaker. I'm a writer here at Android Central, and I've got my lovely guest, Nick Sutrick. Hi. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. <laughs> I've got uh, Jerry Hildenbrand. Hello, Jerry. Hello. How are Hello. you? I feel like I haven't talked to you in like all this week. It's so weird. Because you haven't. I know, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got Andrew Myrick. Hello. Hello. It's so nice to hear all of your voices. I, I've been off. I was off on Monday and Tuesday. And then yesterday on Wednesday, we didn't have our news meeting. So to hear your voices, it makes me feel so happy. <laughs> you and your special Canadian holidays. I know. I know. It is what it is. You guys are having Memorial Day coming up soon. So uh, I'm going to have to work. Uh, well, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've got a lot of topics to cover today. A lot of really fun things. But I want to start off with... Uh, a story that broke in Canada, actually. Um, it happened uh, about a week ago. Uh, a decision that was uh, kind of, we were waiting for for a very long time on uh, the, whether or not Canada was going to ban Huawei. Now, if you guys remember uh, three years ago, uh, the CFO Meng Wanzhou of Huawei was arrested on Canadian soil. She was arrested in Vancouver. And she was basically held in Canada uh, until her extradition case, uh, you know, took place on whether or not she was going to get extradited into the United States. Um, And throughout that time, you know, there was a lot of contention around Huawei, as you all might remember, uh, not only within Canada, but in specifically in the United States. There was, um, you know, of course, there was this whole technological Concern that you know uh, Huawei uses backdoors to spy on its citizens, but really, the, it, this is an overarching political story because of the political situation between the United States and China. Um, and there's this rule in China where if you're a China-based company, then the government can sort of, uh, you know, call upon you and, and ask for any information. But Huawei says that it is a privately owned company and it is uh, not state-owned. Uh, but, you know, I think because of the way China has done things in the past, people have always felt a little concerned. Now, I bring this up to this conversation today to you guys because I want to know your thoughts on Canada banning Huawei and and sort of the nature of Huawei itself. You know, we've seen that it's being banned in so many countries. And, you know, Huawei is doing fine for itself because it it, it, it is in many countries around the world. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the idea behind banning a, a company because of this political nature of a conversation can be really detrimental, or maybe it, it's not detrimental. I'm going to throw that question out there to you. What do you guys think of the story? I, I think the fact that it's taken so long for them to ban Huawei is proof that this is like 99% politically driven. And there's very little actual concern on the tech side of that know, we what know they of. say actually happening. That we know of, right? Because, I mean, right. there have been instances in the past where they've pulled up reports and, you know... <laughs> claiming that Huawei spies on citizens, but that was like years and years ago. Um, but yes, I, I agree. The fact that it took three years and, and Canada's government basically said that it took three three years because they were doing um, consultations. They had There's a whole process that they take, which again, that's just, I think that's government speak for saying this was a political issue. We have to deal with that. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, one of the things I've I've maintained through 
the entire you know, Huawei debacle basically is if there is this code in there that you know they can use to spy on users or siphon traffic off or whatever, that can be found by a person and that mm-hmm. can be published. And then people can look at it and go, oh, yeah, you're right. Let's well, ban all of it everywhere. Not necessarily. I mean, why not? If, if you're if you're doing packet sniffing, you can tell, all right, this is being sent somewhere else. You can then figure out at least well, where in in the structure of the operation of, you know, the router or whatever we're talking about that this is. I guess the issue is maybe they don't have access to the source, right? Right. And it's not like there's a hard drive with software on it. These are microchips with embedded software. Right. Yeah. It's, so uh, it's, it's, it's imp- not easy. Yeah. It, it's impossible to actually look at the software. And, you know, I'm not going to say it's impossible to find out what they're doing. But and, and remember, this isn't about phones. Phones are just a side effect of this. This of, is of about course. network equipment, and which once a month connects to some server owned by Huawei to make sure the firmware is intact and up to date. And actually, the interesting thing in Canada is that um, that was one of the, the conversations that's come up. And the carriers in our country have like vehemently and very specifically stated that they don't share information with Huawei. What goes through the network infrastructure is only between the carriers and their subscribers. Now, again, that's something that, you know, it's something that's probably just publicly stated and I I don't fully know. Uh, But I think the other interesting thing, and and Jerry, I want to point back to what you're saying, which is this is all about network infrastructure. It has like phones and especially in Canada, the sale of Huawei phones was next to nothing. They barely made any income from it um, or revenue rather. And so, but I, I think what I'm curious to know, and maybe Jerry, you could answer this is when you're dealing with something like network infrastructure, you know, it's clear that they're going to have to rip up all this, the stuff that they currently have in place. Like, I always get asked that question, how big of a deal is that? Like, how challenging is that? How big of a deal is that? How expensive is that going to be? And my answer is typically, you know, this is going to be very problematic for the carriers because they're going to start, you know, potentially making your phone bill more expensive because they're going to have to rip up infrastructure and make up the cost for for what's going on. So I, what is your perspective on that? Yeah, well, definitely the consumer is the one that's going to end up paying in the end. Uh, Rogers and tell us that they're not going to foot the bill for any equipment they have to replace if they're able to pass that fee, you know, those costs along to the consumer, just they will. As far as what they may have to replace, uh, that's hard to tell. This is not something that, you know, the people making decisions for Canadian carriers should be surprised by. They had to have known this was coming. Oh, 100%. And and Huawei does make good networking equipment, and it's cheap. It's probably well, very, very it, tempting to buy. relatively cheap. It's starting to get right. expensive again, right. but relatively, yeah. So, right. you know, if, if let's say Rogers, that's Shruti and Nick and Andrew, we know what Rogers is. If you're listening, Rogers is like the Verizon or AT&T in Canada. 
but also to be to be certain to be clear Roger or Rogers doesn't use Huawei equipment or at least no. they have very minimal use of it if they do I'm 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 pretty certain they don't but it's actually Bell and Telus that and Bell and Telus I would compare to like your T-Mobile and um like yeah. the other carriers that you guys have Yeah that was going to be my point Rogers doesn't use their equipment Yes yes uh Rogers spent more money to buy competing equipment from Companies like Ericsson or mm-hmm. what used to be Nokia right. that that works well. It's a little more expensive, and it's possible that it's because they had the foresight that mm-hmm. one day these Chinese companies are going to end up on, you know, a non-favored list by the government, mm-hmm. and we don't want the cost of replacing this infrastructure. Whereas your smaller carriers, they may have been tempted by saving some money. And, you know, I'm going to say in the past year, no carrier has bought Huawei equipment. The years before, when it was still a little unsure about what Canada was going to do, maybe. And all that needs replaced. So I'll I'll actually... Uh, I'll I'll one up you on that and and actually say um, and this is actually again the consumers are affected here, but Canada's um, geography is is really shitty in, in that there's yeah. pockets of areas that are fully populated, but there are vast areas in Canada that are just grasslands or just like lands that haven't even been built. Like it's just such a big, big geographic location. And so to try and fill those pockets are really hard and expensive and especially in the North and in rural areas. Um, And so smaller carriers actually have been working with Huawei. Uh, There's a company called Iristel. They're an independently uh, owned company. Like they're not part of the, the Rogers network or whatever. And they have been working with Huawei to put up network infrastructure in the north um, to provide connectivity to people who live up north and in rural areas. And as you mentioned, Jerry, Huawei's equipment, whether we want to hate on Huawei or not uh, for political reasons, it's freaking amazing. Like, like it, it withstands temperatures that are like well below in, in, in the negative territory. And all the rain, thunderstorms, everything. Like it's such good equipment. And now they're going to have to rip all of that up. And that just sucks for the people who've been having connection for, for this many years. So again, I think it's kind of, I just think it kind of sucks that, that this is happening. It's, it's important to always remember that this is, uh, it's political, but it's also economic. Uh, Nobody wants Huawei to be the only company that's, making money from the new 5G technology. They want that money to be spread around, especially in the United States. They want companies that are willing to put factories in the U.S. that build this equipment to be, you know, making a windfall as much or more than than companies that are based overseas. And that that can't be forgotten, you know, even if there was no national security concerns, which I can't speak on that. If, if they say they have concerns, you have to take that at face value. There's no way any of us or any, you know, most people listening, you can't second guess that because we don't have all the information. But even if there are no, you know, security concerns, you've got a company, company based in China 
making uh you know the lion's share of the profit taking that money and reinvesting it back into china and that's not good economics for any other country and that was a big part of the reason in the united states that mm, yeah. huawei was you know pushed aside yeah and i would not be surprised if you know that that policy set a trend where it it's also in the back of you know canada's government that this makes sure we can't make any money and we mm-hmm. can't bring any money into our country off of the, you know, the, the change towards different networking technology. So that, that can't be forgotten. It's just a, a mess all around. And I don't know, Huawei of all companies should have seen this coming. Uh, they, well, well, I'm sure they sure. did. I'm yeah. sure they did. Yeah. They, they, they can say what they like and I'm sure that they are a privately owned company, but, it's also China. the The Chinese state has the last word in everything. Yeah, of course. So, of course. Now, something I just thought about that's brief um, on the you know replacement cost uh, situation, right? One of the reasons that they waited so long could be that um, a little background here. When I was in IT full time, I worked for a couple different corporations over the years that would replace equipment as soon as the warranty was up. Yeah. So if you bought a router or a mm. switch or whatever, it's you'd buy a three or a five-year warranty with that. As soon as that warranty's up, boom, you replace that thing. Oh, it's, interesting. So you, if, you can't afford downtime and, right. and cost to repair it. Right. Exactly. So that could have also been a part of this, where they're like, all right, we know this is going to be crazy expensive. So let's put this off. Let's wait until you know this already built-in part of your machine effectively in your budget comes up and then boom here we go we can replace yeah, these things i didn't that think of that That's... i didn't think of that so yeah th- and and that could also help just push these out now that that is kind of coming up i mean again assuming that that mm-hmm. same practice is in place at these companies and that may not be with the smaller um people who run the towers like you were saying because i've also worked for smaller private companies and they definitely don't do that they tend to they tend to get used routers from the big companies who just ditched their perfectly mm-hmm. good router that's only three years old. <laughs> and we can't, I think Shruti really, really drove a point home. People, especially people that don't live in North America, have no idea how vast Canada and the United States is. Right. Uh, in the United States, if you remember 15 years ago, the difficulties in getting high speed networking from maybe 20 years ago, I'm dating myself from the (laughs) East coast where it all was centered to the West coast. And that's because there's 750 to a thousand miles of nothing. Yeah. There are no people there. So no company is willing to invest in putting equipment there. Canada is even worse. Right. And also because of the temperatures, right? right? Like you you have that vastness of empty space in the southern part of Canada, but once you get to the northern part, it's just it's it's all empty freezing. space. Yeah, it's all empty. And the worst part, too, it's it's not that it's not only empty, but there's no roads. Like, there's yeah. no actual road that has been constructed. Well, they've which got is... that ice road that Liam Neeson drives his truck on. <laughs> that was yes. a great move. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> the ice road truckers. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go on to uh, another topic. Um, I want to talk about this interview that Carl Pay, Nothing's Carl Pay, uh, did uh, in a Wallpaper. Um, him and the head of design, Tom Howard, 
discuss their inspiration for the phone and more of what we can expect from the Nothing phone this summer. So yeah, he he was a little revealing in terms of what the phone's going to have. It's going to feature a translucent design, uh, very similar to the Nothing Year One Buds. Um, he also discussed a unified design for the upcoming smartphones and the Nothing ecosystem. Um, and there's some sketches of, a, sorry, sketches uh, of a potential designs for the upcoming phone. So I guess uh, I know when we talk about the nothing phone, it's like, you know, what can we really get out of this? We don't really know anything. Um, but we have some potential sketches here. We have some potential thoughts. What are your, do you guys have any opinions on this? So I remember several times, right. And I don't, I don't necessarily mean to pick on one plus just cause Carl pay is, wasn't at one plus for a long time. But I remember several times, especially during like the one plus five time period where those phones looked basically like an iPhone, right? Or like every other Android phone on the market, that there was very little to differentiate them from a physical design standpoint. And I remember them putting out these types of things. They're like, oh, look at these like 250 prototypes we had. And there were some Mm -hmm. like crazy designs and all this stuff. And then you end up with the phone that looks like everything else. So (laughs) So what you're saying is that it's very possible that these this is just to hype people up as per usual. And then it's like, uh, it's just going to be like a regular looking phone. I, I mean, that's, that's been the thing in the past that I've seen several times. So it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I think the most that I got from this particular one was that it, it appears that they're going to stick with the translucent theme, which I like. I miss, I like that. I yeah. miss translucent electronics. <laughs> I think it looks really like hipstery and cool. I don't know. That's it's just it's definitely 90s all over again. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think it's just kind of a, an interesting idea. Um, but the, the the thought that you said that, you know, this brought back memories of um, one plus five days is interesting because I'm curious to know what nothing's marketing strategy is here. Like, it's clear that Carl comes from, I mean, he's done this before. And so he's, he's, um, what's the word? He's, uh, looking back at his own experiences and, and use, using his own playbook that he's done before. Um, but is that the right move for, for, for nothing? I don't know. It, like, what do you, like, I don't know. Is that, is it the right move? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, it definitely brings about the hype, which, you know, I think we've discussed that before. He's a hype man. He's good at what he does. These little, little teeny bits and teasers of, you know, I mean, again, to, to say the joke of nothing have been pretty successful because every time they drop something like this, we talk about it and people on Twitter talk about it and <laughs> it's getting the name rolling. And that's kind of the point, is it not? Yeah, I, I think this was a mistake. What do you mean, like him to, doing the the interview itself? To the well, not necessarily the interview, but you know, providing the sketches and some early renders or photographs. I'm not sure if they claim those were photos or what, because yes, it's clear, but it's just another phone, and now you can see that looks like a white label phone from HTC or Motorola. It's just another phone with a clear case which takes some of the enthusiast hype away that were expect that, you know, people that were expecting 
something amazing and different and completely all new. Well, you didn't get it. You got just another phone. And here's the proof, which I think everybody knew that this is just another phone. It has to be. You, you can't just reinvent things, not not as a startup and, and be successful. Right. And now going on that, here's what I thought was interesting, too. The title of this article from Wallpaper is Nothing Phone One Preview, A Radical Reinterpretation of Mobile Tech. Now, I went into that expecting some, I don't know, Transformers design or just something crazy, right? Like, you expect a lot out of that headline. Like, holy cow, that's... Right, I I didn't expect (laughs) a bunch of circuit boards slabbed together in layers, you know, like every other phone. That's not what I expected based on this headline, and that's what I got. Like, the first picture looks like a Galaxy Note seven i would guess probably maybe eight or nine i i, I have to remember back something when. it's got the s pen in there yeah, yeah it's, it's got a centered single camera module so i think and the a seven tiny is little probably, battery yeah <laughs> right exactly and then you know further down there's some more sketches like like we were saying but you're right and, and, i mean they don't look <laughs> like they match what that title tells me and i'm glad that uh, they had a design i think his name is howard tom howard tom yeah. howard okay I'm glad he's really proud of this product. That's the first thing you want is the people that are designing and selling and engineering your product to be extremely proud of what they're doing. Are people not normally proud? Like, well, I mean, <laughs> I I think there's a difference in a designer, you know, being forthcoming with a, a design site like Wallpaper and showing off what they did, showing off here are the early sketches, and you can see the pride in his work compared to one of the thousands of designers at a huge company like Samsung who comes in and does his work every day and then goes home. And hopefully on the weekend, he doesn't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. I mean, there, right. there's a difference there, and you you want, especially as a startup, you want this kind of enthusiasm around your product. I just... I still can't get over that, you know, I guess I'm just disappointed. I, I wanted something different. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully we'll we'll get to learn more information soon. And, and, and right. These are just sketches. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think the phone's going to look anything like this. Maybe there's some crazy heat pipe in there or something new. I don't think I don't think the, the nothing phone's going to end up looking anything like these sketches that they shared because they wouldn't have shared it otherwise. They're just giving people. It's part of their. It's part of Carl Pay's PR spin. It, 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 him trying to build the hype train up until the phone's finally here. I, you know, I I read the I read the article the same way that everybody else here did at Android Central, and I thought it was kind of interesting that they go through and have this however long the article is, and in the last sentence they talk about how it's using recycled aluminum to reduce its carbon footprint and doesn't, and, but they don't expand on that. They don't explain it. They don't do anything about it throughout the entire article until the second to last sentence. Yeah, that was interesting. What I would have felt like that, like lean on that. If you're not going to actually show us what you're working on and you're just going to give us little tidbits, lean on that a little bit more than just a sentence. Yeah, because I mean, again, we didn't get much out of this, the the phone. We didn't get much out of what was going to happen. And it's like, that piece of nugget was actually interesting. Why didn't you talk about it? 
something else I thought about too. If this is going to be a transparent phone, are they going to have like a clear case that ships with it? Because if the shtick of the design is you can see all the components, you're not going to want to stick it in a normal case, right? Well, I would assume that it would have would, a clear would kind case. of ruin it. <laughs> It'll probably come with that with that clear TPU case that we get in those. I, I would hope not one of those from cheap pieces of junk. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, oh, I, I, our link to the article, which I'll have to fix when this is done, is broken. The original article on wallpaper, so I couldn't click through, and I don't, you know, have the bandwidth right now to find it. But didn't it show like the London or Berlin subway map? Yes, it That's does. New York. I, I can see a clear case that has those red, yellow, and blue lines that would that would be pretty sweet. Outline that circuit would be cool. boards and circuit tracing to yeah. make it look like a subway map. That, yeah, that would yeah. be cool. That would be really cool. That would be really simple to do. It would be ultra dramatic and be really cool. So if you haven't done that yet, my you know, my ideas are cheap. Well, we know Carl listens to our podcast, so Carl, if you're listening to this. There's your design idea for a case. Or, or better yet, the case of the phone itself. Yeah, or that. Could exactly. be printed like that. There's a reason that they they brought up the subway map idea. That they, they didn't just throw that out there to say, this is what great design looks like. Because it's not great design. It's a subway map. So I, I really, that that's the part that interested me the most is where does the subway map fit in? Well, we'll have to find out more, I guess. But uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. We've all been there. Trying to find the right candidate when we're hiring for someone is so incredibly hard. And I think that's where Indeed makes a really good fit for if you're trying to find the right person to hire because It's the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash ACP. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash ACP. That's indeed.com slash ACP. Now, just to note, the offer is only good for a limited time. Terms and conditions apply. Paper qualified applicant not available for all users. And let me tell you something. I can guarantee you you're going to find your next hire if you use Indeed. Okay. Uh, welcome back. Um, so well, I want to talk about Pixel Watch stuff. Yay! Yay. <laughs> okay, Andrew, you wrote a fantastic editorial. It's titled Pixel Watch and Pixel 7 Could Make Me Ditch Apple for Good. Now, we know that you are an Apple guy. I mean, you have Google products um, and, and like Samsungs and whatever. You've got all of that stuff. But your main phone is an iPhone and you have an Apple Watch as well, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. So, Tell me a little bit about your thought process behind writing this article and, you know, tell tell the listeners what it is about these two products that would or could potentially make you ditch Apple for good as your primary device. I mean, it's pretty much tied together with the, the Pixel tablet article that I wrote, I think, two weeks ago after I.O. was done with. Um, and it, And it's really just... I'm I'm ready for Google's ecosystem 
to to actually work the way that they wanted it to all those years ago. Um, I also want an ecosystem outside of Apple that's also not Samsung. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, I've been covering more with the Chromebook space here at AC and working with Jerry on stuff in that regard. And I really would, I would really, really love to like be able to have like, you know, you know, at home right now I have my MacBook pro and my iPhone and, and my iPad all right here. I want that same experience, just Google fied. That's, that's what I would really want. I want to ask you a question that I don't know. I personally don't think it will happen, but I'm curious to know your perspective. Do you think that this ecosystem would be able to convince a broad a broad range of Apple users or 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 are those Apple users just too ingrained in that ecosystem and too um you know one thing that someone told me once is that it it's not only just the the Apple ecosystem that that hooks people on but it's also their fa- the, their entire family gets on it right so like you have the mom and dad who have a primary iPhone and then they uh, they end up giving a, an iPhone to their kid and then the kids have Apple watches the families that have Apple watches so it becomes this whole family system because you can get subsidized phone plans and you know yada 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 so uh, maybe it might not happen with with all families but I'm I want to know your perspective like do you think having a Google ecosystem as the alternate to Apple would actually convince the broad range of Apple users who are currently fixed on an Apple ecosystem? No, but I think it could convince those who are on the fence about switching over. Um, like those people who families, people who are, have been using Apple products for 10, 15, 20 years or whatever, and they're getting kind of old and or getting kind of bored with what Apple's been doing. Um, not to say that that's, they haven't been doing anything exciting because I still am like blown away by their, like the M1 chips and everything like that. Um, but I think that Google, and I don't even think it'll happen with the Pixel 7 because Google's going to have to show that it can continue to produce and execute on that plan. Uh, but I think it, Google could lure those people who are kind of on the fence more so than like Samsung. Um, I think. But I, yeah, it's a good question. I'm not really, haven't really thought about that one before. Yeah, I, I have a feeling you're right because I think you know you have sort of the two pillars right now. You're either an Apple user or a Samsung user, and obviously, you know, we know that means more than than just Samsung in the Android world. But I would say a lot of people just think about Samsung. Mm-hmm. So if Google's coming in and actually sort of proving itself that it can be maybe a third viable pillar. Mm-hmm. especially in the U.S., where there really is just not a lot of competition anymore for this stuff. It's pretty much just the two. Yeah, I, I think you probably could pull some people over that are like, yeah, I don't really like Samsung, but I'd be willing to try Google, you know, something like that. I mean, maybe maybe even pull some Samsung users over, who knows, but I feel like I doubt that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, if, if you want to get broader to people who don't listen to Android podcasts, uh, I have a friend who works for a, a carrier and they, they like to remind me that people come in and they're amazed that they can buy a Motorola phone or a phone from Google that runs the Samsung. That what? That runs Samsung. Oh, I didn't, e- Samsung I didn't even software. know. I didn't even know that. It's all this Google stuff that's from Samsung. It's You can get it on a Motorola phone. I didn't know that. 
Oh my gosh, that's interesting. So that's that's what Samsung has that broad of a reach among people that don't buy an iPhone. Mm-hmm. I saw. I mean, I, I've been I've been out of carrier sales for. Uh, almost 10 years or so and you saw it even back then and that was back when we had like the the moto x and lg was really good and everybody yeah, we else had some was, actual good competition right yeah and people still referred and to they didn't refer to it as google's android it was just like samsung stuff yeah so, so i want to um, branch off of the article that you wrote Andrew, um, because obviously, I mean, you're very excited about this, um, the two collab and then actually having this like nice ecosystem. It would be, it would be amazing. But, uh, and I'm sure you read, um, the article about how, you know, we're starting to get a little bit more information about the, the, the specs, uh, of the watch. Um, I mean, obviously they're all rumors, but nothing has been confirmed yet, but we, we do, uh, know that that potentially um, the watch will run an older chipset, which may or may necessarily not be a, a good or a bad thing, which I, I, I actually kind of want to bring that up at, at a later point. But there are some other things that um, might entice more people, and I want to get you guys' uh, impression on it. But this idea that it would reportedly feature more RAM than any current Wear OS smartwatch. Um, it's also said to reportedly sport an impressive 32 gigabytes of storage, double that of the Galaxy Watch 4, which, again, it likely could be a really good thing. And um, FCC listings show that the watch will um, likely come with a USB-C charging cable. So what are your impressions of that? How big of a deal are those those upgrades? I think for RAM, it's important, but I think that's the only thing that's important. Potentially, both could be huge. Uh, it. <laughs> The way Android works, hard disk space and RAM is just as important as processor. You you can use RAM to store files. You can use RAM to store calculations that a coprocessor has made, and it's available instantly. Uh, th- th- that could have a potentially huge impact. I'm not saying it will. Because, you know, that's not something that Google has really done in the past. And I don't think a watch is the first place they're going to try crazy different ways of doing, you know, RAM disk and compression, file compression and stuff. But it it could be a a, a big thing. So I'm not going to count it out. Right. And I, I know as far as the older processor conversation goes, I think it's also important to you know, note in this particular article that it's supposedly going to have a coprocessor to help, you know, offset some of the duties from the main chip. We saw that with the Snapdragon Wear 4100 Plus, and there was a noticeable difference in, I mean, everything, literally. It was just a much better chip for wearables. And it was the first time in a long time that a Snapdragon chip on a smartwatch actually felt good to use. I haven't even felt that way since I think the first, uh, what do we call it? Android Wear back in the day. <laughs> but before we move too far into this stuff, I'd like to go back to, you know, Andrew's thoughts about, sure, you know, a, a, a coherent Google ecosystem potentially, you know, attracting iPhone users. I, I think it's also important to remember that Google as a whole, they don't care about that. 
the 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 company that loves the iPhone probably even more than Apple is Google, mm-hmm. because Google just makes a fortune. Oh every, yeah, from well, every iPhone user. And this is what we were talking about a couple of podcasts ago, where um, Google software is everywhere. They don't right. They don't care about hardware at all. They care about their software. That's where the money comes from for them. And, and, and then know, advertising as well, of course. Right. There is a, a Google hardware division that probably feels very differently. Oh, yeah. But the mothership sure. and the people that count the money, they don't care what phone. hundred percent. I mean, BlackBerry 100%. could come back. And as long as you could have access to Gmail and Google Photos and YouTube, the people at Google would love it. A hundred percent. I fully agree with you on that. Absolutely. Right. And how many times did we see Google update the iOS version of an app first? And then the Android version gets updated sometimes months down the road. So, yep. Yes. <laughs> But but to Andrew's point, I think it's and it's a valid one, which is that now there's a third potentially. Well, well, yes, potentially a third contender to this ecosystem game. Right. Right. And I think that that does from the consumer's perspective, like people aren't thinking the average person isn't thinking about, oh, Google doesn't care whether they sell handsets or not. They're thinking, oh, well, what should my, what, what phone do I want? Like, how pretty does it look? Does it take nice pictures, right? Like, that's what they care about. And then, it, and I think, I can't remember who was saying this, but it's like, when you, oh, I think it was in, in one of Michael's articles, but it was like, when you buy a, an iPhone, you're not going to go and buy a Galaxy Watch 4. You're going to be buying an Apple Watch. Similarly, if you're a Google phone, uh, a phone user, you might get a Galaxy Watch 4, but if there is a watch that pairs nicely with your phone, then immediately you're going to go and get that. And right. if, if this is successful, if, if uh, we wrote an article just the other day that, what, Pixel sales are up 680% year over year mm-hmm. with the Pixel 6. If, we, if, if Google sees that kind of success in their own you know, blossoming ecosystem, uh, more people at Google will care mm-hmm. about right. building a cohesive that, set of products. That's what I'm That's part of why I'm excited about the prospect of it. Cause it allows Google to double dip mm-hmm. basically. Yep. So yes. they're going to get, they're going to make money off search. They're going to make money off software, but they'll also in theory, if every, if they can execute, make money off of hardware. Mm-hmm. And if they can do both, then I think that we, the users, get to benefit from that. And Google gets to benefit from that because it's going to be making even more money, even if it's, you know, a minuscule amount of money, relatively speaking. It'll still be more money that they're making a lot from just creating that ecosystem of products, of good products. But they are going to have to really uh, care if they want to grow that, right? Right. That was something, that's something that we've seen from Google more often than not, that they put out something, they don't really give a shit, and then they just kind of move on. And then, because their main focus, like Jerry said, is search and ads. And, you know. But but if this is successful, it could make them care. Yeah, potentially, yes. And that, that's good for everyone. Yes. Uh, that, that's, I don't care if you use an iPhone. I don't care if you still use an old Motorola flip phone. This is good for you. Uh, another company, even if it is a giant evil company like Google, another company there to compete with the Apple and Samsung duopoly when it comes to actual hardware sales is a good thing. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. I fully agree. Uh, okay. Um, oh, I want to talk about quickly, uh, before we take a quick break is, um, just going back to the, the potentially the pixel watch using an older chipset. So, um, I, I wrote about Wear OS 3, but we'll get to that later. But within that, I, I did ask some analysts, you know, is it a big deal if this watch has an older chip? And the consensus is that it doesn't really matter because um, so long as the look and the feel is not dated, then the Pixel Watch will do well. And also, there could be a potential where Google is planning to release two different models with different hardware. Maybe, yeah. I I think the first thing nails it. People buy a watch and I'm not counting an Apple watch. People buy an Apple watch because it's an Apple product. Right. And they just bought an iPhone, but for sure, other people, they buy a watch because it looks good. Yes, exactly. The the fruit logo matters or else you wouldn't have cases that have a circular cutout with the fruit logo. Right. On it. Right. Apple watch is a different story. <laughs> it's a status yes, symbol. But everybody knows that that is when they look at yeah. it. Right, and, and 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 to note, um, aside from the status symbol aspect, um, one analyst actually said, and I thought this was like I didn't even think about this, but when when she said it to me, I was like, oh my gosh, that makes so much more sense. Google has been theoretically been working on this watch for what eight years, so it's possible that they were you know developing it with an older chipset before anything new wasn't available in the market. And it just took them so long to develop this watch, which kind of makes sense right. if you think about and, it. And like your analyst said, if they've been developing this and this thing is, you know, kick ass and everybody loves it, then who gives a crap what's inside of it, right? Like if it works and it does the job and it looks good, that's what people want. They don't exactly. care what the chipset is. The, the, the processor is not the bottleneck and how crappy your old Android Wear watch works. No, no, it's, it's not. not. And and we can say, oh, well, the, you know, the Qualcomm 4100 Plus works better than the 4100 or the 3100 was a dog. Yes, but there are a lot of other reasons. The CPU cores are sitting there idle most of the time. Right. And, and I know this from having had those watches when they first came out. I loved them. Um, I don't remember about what time this started to change, but I know for sure when they put that essentially full Google Assistant on the watch, that was about the time frame where I felt that performance drop. And it started taking longer for things to happen, and it it became useless to me because the whole point of the thing was to look at my wrist, tap it, done. Like We're talking seconds of interaction with this versus now I got to hold my arm up, now I got to touch the thing. Now I got to wait. Yeah. You know, like it, they ruined it basically. And they ruined it because of the software, not because of the hardware. So right. yeah, and this that's goes a good for point. Phones or anything, you know, you don't want the newest chipset from Qualcomm in your phone because the CPU is 15% faster. You may think you do, but you don't. You want it because the modem is better. The Wi-Fi is better, has better Bluetooth. Uh, it has a better GPU. That 15% performance increase in calculating pi out to infinity, that means nothing because that that's not what makes your phone fast or slow. Totally. So. Okay, let's take a quick break 
and we'll be back to talk about our last two topics. So don't go anywhere. You know, we usually get um, certain points that we need to to say uh, when we're reading out an ad. And one of the points for Truebill um, <laughs> is, is your ex still using your Netflix? And that just made me laugh so hard. And partly because that seems to be really true for a lot of people who can't seem to get rid of someone using their account when they're no longer with them. And I think that's what makes Truebill so great because once you download it, you can essentially cancel any subscription with just a tap. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash ACP. Go right now, Truebill.com slash ACP. It could save you thousands a year. That's Truebill.com slash ACP. And do not let some ex of yours be using your subscriptions. That's not cool. Make sure you use Truebill.com to get rid of those subscriptions. That way, your ex can never use anything that still belongs to you. Okay, welcome back. So we ended that last little thing talking about the Pixel Watch. And I actually want to... go a little deeper and talk about Wear OS 3 because uh, one thing we did not really hear much about during IO was about Wear OS 3. The only thing we heard was that it was, uh, is that Google said that it was going to be coming to more devices, but Wear OS 3 was announced last year. We've only seen one device have it. We've yet to see any devices being updated with Wear OS 3. Um, Nick, you reached out to... um, I believe Fossil and uh, Chris Waddell reached out to Mobvoi and neither company uh, got back to us. Although uh, Mobvoi actually did get back to Chris, but this was after we published the article. Uh, okay. uh, and they did respond to Chris. And I'm just going to pull up what, what his response was to me. So they said... Um, quote, Mobvoi devices will be powered with the latest version of Wear OS by Google. Mobvoi is actively working with partners on timelines. So it sounds maybe potentially it could be because it's a it's a new watch. I don't know. We can talk about that in a second. But this the absence of Wear OS 3 at Google I.O. Now, my analysts, when I spoke to them, they they all kind of said, well, it, it kind of makes sense that, that they didn't reveal too much because many product launches happen at the towards the end of the year for, for the holiday season. Uh, and so and they probably wanted to leave the conversation of Wear OS 3 alongside the Pixel Watch right. because that's when it's getting announced. That's when everything's going to be available. And then I think it also gives partners who are going to be using Wear OS 3 a little bit more time to actually refine their smartwatches before anything gets announced, et cetera. So that was sort of, it all kind of, it, it made sense. Yeah, that's how Google does things too. That's how they've always done. From Google's point of view, when they come out in, you know, the fall of this year to show off the Pixel Watch and any improvements to Wear OS 3, the best thing they can do is have a big slide projected on a screen behind them with names of all these hardware partners that'll be releasing 
right new, new products that run this over that you can buy during this holiday and season pictures of all the watches that are getting right out. that's what's good for google and that's they they couldn't have that at io and you know they saved it this gives them another spectacle to put on totally totally now the the thought of of it not going to older devices um most people agree that it's it's less inclined to come to older devices partly because um you know, um, who's, you know, a lot of people who were buying those older devices were buying it because it was a fashion statement. They didn't really understand why they were having a, a smartwatch to begin. And, and there weren't many great features, probably, likely, maybe. And now it's getting refined with Wear OS 3. I don't know. Um, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing that it's not coming to older devices? It's a horrible thing. It's bad. It's, it, it's, it's bad, bad for the consumer. <laughs> But mostly it's bad for companies like Fossil. Yes. Fossil would love nothing more than to update the watch you just bought two months ago to the latest version of the software that can run all the new Google things. But they can't. Is this a is this a cost reasoning or is this some other reasoning? Because um so one an like just one analyst said to me that it's kind of similar to when older phones don't get the latest latest version of Android. It's exactly the same, yes. So is, is that a cost thing, though? Not necessarily. It's a thing that the Qualcomm's and Samsung's and AMD's of the world won't do that for free. Yeah, and probably, Fossil, yeah. Fossil can't do it. They have to depend on the people who made the components inside to be willing to either work on making their components work with the new software or be willing to share that information with Google who can make it work with the new software. And they're just not willing to do that. And they never have been. It's not only a cost thing for Fossil because, um, you know, their consumers are going to be upset and they're going to have to likely buy a new product, which could cost more money. But it's also a cost issue for Google because they don't really want to waste their time on older devices. They want to spend more time on newer ones, right? Right. Traditionally, Google has tried to use older devices to develop newer versions of the software mm -hmm. to try to work around this issue. It usually doesn't work. And it's, 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 out of, it's out of Google's hands. It's out of the company that made your watch's hands. And it's in the hands of companies you may not have ever heard of, like, you know, Broadcom. Mm -hmm. Those True. companies have to participate and they're unwilling and they've always been unwilling. They, there's no financial reason for them to be willing to be fair. Right. Now, here's a question I have about Wear OS's design in general. So when Android Wear first came out, you know, whatever, one of the, I, I guess, the, the pillars of the platform was that no matter what hardware you bought, you would get the latest updates. And that was what differentiated it from an Android phone because Android phones were highly customized by a manufacturer. They all had totally different components. You know, it was, it was a, a big deal that you would now have essentially free choice of design, which makes sense for a watch, yet never have to worry about not getting an update to the latest platform. And, and that was true for the first couple of iterations. Right. Uh, but especially when it moved from Android Wear to Wear OS, all that went out the window. They opened up, you know, you can use right. 
uh, more than just this approved list of hardware. Once you do that, Google can no longer support every combination. Right. And and I mean, even on the software side, that's especially true with Wear OS right. 3, because now you can customize it like a phone. And now it is more of a phone type of experience where you're not going to assume that you're going to get the latest platform every yep. single time. But it does make me wonder why Google or somebody else in the chain doesn't throw these users a bone and just say, hey, it's not going to get anything past this, but you've stuck with us for the long haul through all the crap that you've, you know, this has been through. Here's the last update you're going to get. It's the big update you've been waiting for. I feel like that bit of effort, and I'm not going to call it a little bit for a reason, but that <laughs> bit of effort would be worth the mind share that they would gain. I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at, ask anybody who still has a Galaxy S7 how tickled pink they were when Samsung turned around and said, you know what? We think you deserve one more update and sent it to them out of the blue. That little act of goodwill was worth every penny in, in good PR. Sure. May, and heck, maybe that's why we haven't heard about Wear OS 3 for such a long time. Eh. Is they're maybe. trying to get it on these old chipsets, and maybe that's also why the Pixel Watch is using a chipset from twenty bloody eighteen, supposedly, <laughs> of course. You know, because they are developing it for all these old watches, and they're going to show up one day and go, "Hey, guess what? Hit that update button." <laughs> I haven't looked into it, but it's also possible that the chipset they're using is very open. Uh, Anybody old enough to remember the Nexus S? Yep. Uh, Google used the Nexus S to build new versions of Android for years and years and years because the hardware was open. Samsung provided all the code, and Google could do whatever was necessary to make it work. And that they, if we can make this, you know, if we can make Android 7 run on this ancient phone and it runs fairly well we know we've done a good job so they tried to shoehorn it onto that old you know old hardware because if they could do it it was you know a, a good sign for how it would work with newer hardware maybe this processor is is more open i haven't looked into that because i just now thought of it yeah but if it is that would make a lot of sense why google would want to use it for development true yes um I want to also talk about this companion app that Google has released. Um, it's opened up a beta program, uh, which means it could be a sign of good things to come. So essentially, Google has opened up the Wear OS companion app for beta testing. The app has um, yet to receive any new updates since the beta launch. Um, but this is a good thing. Yes. Right. It certainly seems like they are more actively developing this than it feels like they were. <laughs> it's it's. I mean, it's a good thing. Right now, we don't know how much of one because it doesn't really do anything. You know, for, for users, it makes no difference because you don't use that app with your Galaxy Watch 4 and there are no other phones that would take advantage of anything new they could throw in it or other watches, I mean. They could take advantage of any new features they'd throw in there. So we don't know exactly how good it will be, but it's it's a good thing to know Google is caring. 
Yeah, I think they're they're working on something for this fall. I mean, I, I don't think we're going to see anything until I, either right before the Pixel yeah. Watch comes out or right after the Pixel Watch. I think it's cool to get into the beta. You know, Samsung opened up there or sure. announced a, yep. a, a similar program for the for select Watch 4 owners, and I cannot get into that to save my life. <laughs> but I think Google is just taking the steps to get everything ready for this fall. Right. And and I think this is probably another piece in the puzzle that tells me that Google's divisions are now actually talking to each other. Whereas in the past, it seemed like they didn't, even if that wasn't the case from a consumer standpoint. That's what it has always felt like. Mm. And, you know, like we just got uh, yesterday or the day before we saw that they're updating the calculator app with an actual tablet interface. And like there's there's these little things here and there that I'm like, oh. Oh. Maybe maybe Google really does maybe care. Maybe this is happening. Oh my god! That was going to be my my uh, my argument for the opposite side. Maybe if they're just opening the beta so they can redesign the app for tablets, and that's all they're going to do with it. Oh god! That would be the uh, biggest like <laughs> words that I can't say on a podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, that would be rough. That would be rough. Yeah, uh, uh, there it may would be, be something to that. They they want that app to work well on the on the Galaxy Fold three. Yeah, it, I'm just it just popped in my head. I, I'm 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 holding out hope that that's not actually what's happening. But uh, I, I think you've done God. it. Now you've you done know, it. I've Andrew. never, yeah, I've never I've actually opened everything. that app on the big screen on this phone. I'm gonna look at it real quick. It's it's just like it's it's awkward like all the rest of them. It's just a giant phone OS or super, UI OS. Good job. Super wide open spaces. You could jump between physically. Yeah, look at look at that massive picture of my watch. That's great UI. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but at least it's, it's it's mostly high res, right? It takes up the whole screen. Yeah, I mean it, it looks it looks good. It's like a nice picture of it. It's like it's almost like you couldn't just look at your wrist at the same time and see what it looks like. It's actually about the same physical size as the watch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, but the well, time's wrong. The time um, is wrong. On that note, I'm glad to to hear that it's possible that Google is finally uh, getting its act together and its departments are likely talking to each other, which is a good thing, potentially. Um, but I wanted to end this podcast with, well, you know, we're done talking about things. So getting to my favorite part, what made you happy this week? Uh, so what made you guys happy this week? Who wants to go first? Uh, I, I sent a pair of bumper cars down for my youngest granddaughter's birthday so her and her sister could play with them. And I got to watch videos of them out in the parking area where they live trying to act like little gladiators with each other. And it was amazing. If, if you've got kids or grandkids or whatever, get on Amazon and you can buy these little plastic bumper cars. Do it. Just, just do it. It's worth the money. <laughs> and, I love that. And you know, they, let them take broomsticks and duct tape them to the side and try to joust with each other. <laughs> just it, 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 it's that was really cool and really fun. And I wish we had that kind of stuff when I was a kid. Oh, that's cute. I love that, Nick Andrew. I don't know. It's it's been a week. It's been um, a week. Yeah. It's been a depressing week. I've I've had some. Other things going on that are less than happy. Um, I, you know what I'll say? The, it's, it's silly, 
But the next Minecraft update comes out next week. So there, there there's that. I'm, I'm happy about that. Hey, listen. <laughs> I announced that today. Listen, I think, <laughs> I think the, just in general, this week has been really, it's been exhausting. It's been depressing. The world is crumbling. Um, but having a little nugget, something like that, to make you happy is what matters. So even if it's a little update, I'm really happy that makes you happy. Andrew? Uh, so as we record this, it's Thursday the 26th, and today is the the big first, I think it's the first big panel for Star Wars Celebration. Um, oh, so as Obi-Wan as comes we, out tomorrow. Yes! Exactly. So ah, as soon as I'm done, so, as soon as we're done recording, <laughs> I'm switching over to YouTube to watch rewatch the the panel, because uh, they're supposed to announce a bunch of stuff with like Mandalorian and and everything leading up to tomorrow's um, debut of the show. Uh, and I have a four day weekend. So that's always yeah, a good thing. Yeah, that's always a good so thing. So I'm going to uh, spend a little bit of time with the wife, spend a little bit of time cleaning up my office again as more boxes fill up the room um, and just take a little bit of, of me time this weekend. Good. That's always And important. have Star Wars playing in the background. Probably uh, Obi Wan episode one on repeat. <laughs> Oh, we're getting oh. two. We're getting two, aren't we? Wait, is there two? I thought they were thought dropping they... two for the first week because they delayed it a week. Yeah, but I thought that they were supposed to do one on Wednesday and then one tomorrow. But the one, yes, maybe I'm out of the loop then. Okay, well, then I'll rewatch both of them it's, all it's day. Time, it's repeat. time to Google Foo once we hang up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Well, I'm happy that that is going to make you happy. Um let me know if they announce anything about Mandalorian because I want to. I want to know. I liked that show. There is a panel a about Mandalorian. It's like called Man. I think it's like Mando Plus or Mandalorian Plus or something. Oh, interesting. I have to check it out. Um, what made me happy this week? Well, um, I can say it now, but I'll probably say I'll probably repeat myself for next because again, maybe. But um, my it's my partner's birthday today, and um, he. He's actually stepped out so I can say this out loud because he he can't hear me. But I've planned a surprise birthday party for him. And it's honestly, right. it's, it's so funny because I've been like trying to coordinate with like his friends. And it's it's just it's just such a comical shit show. <laughs> like we're just trying <laughs> to figure this out. And then today he comes to me. And so the plan is is that his friend, one of his closest friends, is gonna pick him up for a, a drink, like a boys, boys drink. And then he'll take him to um our other friend's place and then we surprise him there um and in 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 that time i'm going to go to to the friend's place and like set everything up and whatever etc and literally today he's laying in bed and he goes you know what i think i'm going to cancel having drinks with my friend and I'm like, no, you uh, should you should go. It'll be great. No. <laughs> so literally, as he's typing to his friend, being like, I don't want to go, like his friend and me and everyone in the secret group chat that we have are like, what do we do? <laughs> How do we do this? So yeah, it's it's gonna be fun to reveal everything to him once once we've surprised him. But that makes me it it makes me happy that I'm I'm able to do this and i i'm i'm excited to see how he's going to react i hope it's good you know he's going to end up having 47 beers and you're going to have to go pick him up from a gentleman's club in detroit michigan oh, oh it's very very possible, <laughs> it's very, very possible. <laughs> yeah if that happens i will let you know jerry <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, on that note, um, again, to our Android Central podcast listeners, thank you so much wherever you are, whenever you're listening to this, whether it's morning, afternoon, or night. Thank you so much for listening to us and taking the time. And we'll catch you next week. Bye. See ya. See ya. Adios.